Hello, I'm Monsignor General Santi. This week on Personally Speaking, we'll be interviewing a newly elected congressman to talk about what works in government and maybe what doesn't. Stay with us. to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor General Santi, and Republican Congressman Andrew Gabarino joins me now. Andrew Gabarino represents New York's 2nd Congressional District on Long Island, New York. He was elected to Congress in November of 2020, succeeding longtime Congressman Peter King, who retired. Andrew grew up in Sayville, Long Island, and graduated from the George Washington University with a BA in History and Classical Humanities. He returned to Long Island, where he received his law degree from Hofstra University Law School. Andrew served in the New York Assembly for four terms and fought to increase state funding for Long Island school districts, protecting Long Island's environment, opposing tax hikes, and supporting law enforcement. He's here with us today to tell us why he decided to run for Congress, what he's fighting for, and the faith and values that are such an important part of his life. I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Congressman Andrew Gabarino. We're here talking to Congressman Andrew Gabarino. Congressman, uh, thanks for being on our program. And let me begin with uh, an interesting question, at least it is to me. You're, you're a relatively young guy, born in 1984, when Ronald Reagan is entering into his second term. Uh, the country, even with some political division, was essentially united by this man's personality. It was really a good time in terms of America. Do you see the way back to having a country that is much less divided, that we could return to something like the good feeling we had back in the year that you were born? I wish, uh, you know, but it, it's, it's, you know, it, it doesn't seem that way right now. Down in Washington, it's, and I, I don't blame um, all the elected officials because a lot of people want to work together. They want to, uh, you know, achieve something, you know, they, everybody, I think a lot of people realize something is, is better than nothing. Uh, I'm yes. a member of the problem solvers caucus, which okay. is bipartisan Republican and Democrats that want to work together to try to find common ground, but you have extremes on both sides. Um, and they're, and they're true believers, you know, in, in what they, in what they want and, and what, the, and what they feel. And the issue to me is, it's not where it's like, okay, you know, we can agree to disagree and go out and try to work on something. To, you know, it's more the fact that if you don't agree with me, you're my enemy. And right, it, right. And, and, and right now it, it doesn't work that way. But the problem is it's the, the media and it's both sides. They sell it. I mean, they see, mm -hmm. you know, that's what sells, you know, you know, crazy. That's what gets ratings. Crazy statements you know being partisan uh you know that's what to me at least seems to be getting all the attention on the news shows you know uh, some years ago he's still a good friend of mine ray mcgrath had been representing long island in congress and he would talk about the fact that he could be as a republican on the floor disagreeing strongly with the democratic agenda but he might that weekend play golf with tip o'neill the speaker of the house who was a democrat is it is it comfortable or possible to be friends with folks in the other party, even though you may have uh, philosophical or political differences? Absolutely. I mean, um, 
you know, and, and, and I had that up in Albany. I spent eight years in Albany. I, some of my best friends up there uh, were members of the other party, liberal members of the other party. And, um, you know, I, I, I've made some good friends, uh, uh, you know, down in Washington. You know, there's one, one members particularly, you know, uh, other members from Long Island, Tom Swazi and Kathleen Rice have been, have been very great. Uh, but a new member who is very, his politics are probably the complete opposite of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from Westchester. He took me to Lowy's seat, uh, Mondaire Jones. Yeah. Uh, but he and I still like, you know, we, we, we probably 95% or 90% of the stuff we don't agree on, but you know, we're trying to work on some things together, you know, cause you, you, you can't, you, you find, you find the common areas where you can, and, and you try to knock those things out because I, you know, we don't agree on something. I respectfully disagree with you. I, you're not my enemy. And he yeah. sees it the same way. So he and I have been, you know, have, have gotten close. COVID has made it difficult to develop these sorts of friendships right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there are definitely members that want to work together. They, you know, they, they want to find those common areas and, and get things done. Not everybody, like I said, there's, there's right. some true believers out there that it's their way or the highway. But most, I think, want to work together. We're talking here with Congressman Andrew Garbarino, who represents Long Island, New York. And for our friends around the country, uh, I want to take a a visit back to uh, the world in which you were shaped, Congressman. Uh, The folks who raised you, when you look back on your parents and the the family of origin that formed and shaped you, what in raising you did your parents do right? Um, You know, it's everything. I mean, they gave me I had every opportunity. as, as a kid, uh, you know, growing up Long Island, you know, um, I had every opportunity. They, they, they worked very hard to make sure that, you know, I could go to school and I, you know, I, you know, we did family things together and, um, but they, it wasn't, they didn't expect me or they didn't just let me do whatever I wanted. You know, they gave me every time, but, but when it was time for me to get a job or when it was time for me to do something, I had to do it. You know, you know, mm-hmm. I had to perform in school. I had to, you know, they held me, they held me accountable, um, you know, for, for my actions. They, 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 they didn't just let me slide by and just give me everything I wanted. They, they, they provided for me, but they made sure that I, I worked for my own things. And, and that's really why, and, and it definitely ha- is the reason why, um, I'm here in Congress today. It's something I never expected to be. I never thought I'd be in Congress. I never thought I'd pass my first bill this past week, and um, but I did. And you know, having you know, and, and we didn't do everything together, family. You know, my parents were busy. They both worked, and so they couldn't mm-hmm. come to every one of my my baseball games, or or or, uh, or couldn't do everything with me. But they spent enough time with me, and they let me know they cared. Um, and it was all the way through my election. I mean, they've just always been very supportive, uh, with me, you know, like I said, giving me as much, uh, you know, support as, as, as they could, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, but, but also pushing me and making sure that I was my own person. Uh, Congressman Gabriel, you said in another place, another interview that one of the best pieces of advice your mom had ever given you was that Andrew always do the right thing. And I'm reminded of that. Back in 1996, I was approached to run for a seat in Congress against Carolyn McCarthy. And I remember going to see Cardinal O'Connor and asking him for his advice. And he said, don't do it, he said, because it's impossible to be in politics and not eventually have to compromise your very conscience. Now, you're right on the cutting edge there. You know, you have to hold on to your principles, but at the same time, you want to maintain your 
conscience and at the same time be effective. Uh, is it possible to be in politics and to remember who you are, what you believe, and to be true to your principles? Uh, I, I'm, this is my ninth year in elected position, in elected office. And uh, yes, I, I, I have not had to go against them yet. Uh, the day I do is the day I'll stop. Um, yeah. I got to sleep at night, you know, I'm, I yeah. got to be able to sleep. Uh, and, and that is what my mom said to me, you know, she, and, and that sticks with me, you know, it's, you know, and I've taken in eight plus years in legislative, uh, in my legislative office, whether it's Congress or the state assembly, I have taken, um, uh, public beatings and, or, you know, when I say public, like in on Facebook or, you know, people have gone after me for my votes, but at the end of the day, I felt it was the right thing. Yeah, I could have towed the party line. There were plenty of times where I was the, I was might have been the only Republican to support a bill, you know. But it was the right, it was the right thing to do um, yeah. in my eyes. So in eight plus years, I've been able to do it. Once, once it's no longer, I'm no longer able to. Then I'll, then I'll. <laughs> Home. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Congressman Garbarino, for those who don't know, uh, was elected to the position that had been held by Congressman King. And I know some parts of the Republican Party didn't like some of his votes, but he kind of marched to the beat of his own unique drummer. And I remember being with Pete King once, you know, to a synagogue and said to the people, you know, on most things we're going to agree. But he said, I'm pro-life and I'm not going to change that. So if that's enough of a reason for you not to vote for me, then save yourself time and you can take off and not go to the meeting. Uh, but, but it was kind of refreshing because the people stayed. They didn't agree with them, but they respected the fact that he said, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And that's what I hear you saying, too. You use the word with your, your uh, parents about how they held you accountable. And uh, you reminded me, Congressman, uh, this week, one of the headlines in the newspaper was judge blasts no bail release and cop attack. And he says, my hands are tied. Uh, anytime there's one party government, whether it's in New York state or around in the federal government, there's always the risk, of course, that extremes will will dominate. Now, in New York, we have the elimination of bail in so many cases and people committing crimes and immediately being released to the street. Um, what do you think of that? And and what's the better choice? You know, it, it, it's really uh you know, and, and this happened when I was in the state legislature, this bail reform, and we said everything that was going to happen. Uh, w you know, we 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 told them this was what was going to happen, and they said we were fear uh, fear mongers, and yeah. uh, and now it, it is happening, and they don't want to back down. They actually want, they want to double down on some of this stuff. They now want to, mm. you know, there's there's talk about doing um, reform, uh, prison reform to the point where it doesn't matter what you did, as long as you if you hit this certain age, you're out of you're out of prison you know so you, you could kill 20 people and you're found guilty of murder 20 times but they're talking about doing a bill but once you hit 60 or possibly 65 or even 55 you get to uh you get to get out and it's and uh, you know what really gets me is we have such right now with gun crime we have such mm -hmm. a problem and 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 new york city really has a problem but well you know when you know i'm a supporter of background checks i, I you know and that's one of the things that i'm getting beat up for by my own party but right it is yeah, but I, when I talk to people about that bill, by the way, I, they're like, how could you vote? I'm like, oh, I said, do you believe people should have to get a background check to pass a background check to buy a gun? They say, mm -hmm. well, yes. I said, well, that's the only thing that that's all that bill said. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, yeah. but anyway, but back to most 90 percent of gun crimes, I think, is what we saw the number when I was in the state legislature are done in New York State are done with illegally obtained guns. It's not they are guns that were stolen. They are guns that, that, that these uh, people in um that are in gangs or uh they get them somehow and these are the guys that are committing these these gun uh, these crimes and they're being released on bail uh, without bail 
Yeah. So you're not going to stop criminals from if they're not being held accountable yeah. for those crimes, then they're just going to keep doing them. It's you know, law abiding citizens don't don't do the crimes. And so that's the problem with 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 the bail reform. It it's you, people are committing crimes knowing that they don't that they're not going to have to go to jail. They're yeah. going to be released right away. And and with all the with everything going on. It could be months. And this is even if the, the new DAs, because some of these district attorneys aren't prosecuting the cases. I was talking to a Port Authority cop who was telling me that, you know, when I go to the when I go to JFK or LaGuardia, they, he was saying he's a detective and he was saying it's ridiculous. We, we arrest these people for committing crimes in in, uh, in in the airports, but the district attorneys don't prosecute them. Right. It's Which insane. makes no sense at all. Makes no sense at all. Um, let me ask you, other congressmen who we've had on the program say that one of the burdens of office is, especially when you're running every two years as you are, uh, the, the necessity for constantly fundraising. Uh, have you found a way, Congressman, a better way that we can uh, not have you guys always have to worry about where's the next donation coming from and just do your job? It's the worst part of my job is the fundraising. It's yeah. the, um, you know, calling people up and asking them for, you know, their own hard-earned dollars just so. They, mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. To me. They spent almost, the, the Democrats beat me last year, spent almost $14 million against me alone, wow. just for one seat. And you think <laughs> to yourself, that, you know, the good that that money could do. Right, you right. Know? And it, it's just, <laughs> and the fact that it's the worst part of the job, you know, where you have to take out time in your day to go make calls. I mean, and it's, you know, wh- what could I else could I be doing with that time? It, it, you know, yeah, it's, it's really bad. And, you know, it's, it's insane. You have people that the extremes are the ones, you know, the extremes are the ones that uh, uh, are the ones that um, are make, can make, raise a, a lot of money without putting much effort into it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's when you say the, ultra left thing or the ultra right thing. And, you know, all of a sudden you get a million dollars in a quarter and yeah. you're like, God, you know, I'm trying to do the right thing by my constituents and, and I'm trying to, you can't rub two nickels together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you loud and clear. Let me ask you to the, uh, uh, the president. I want to talk a little bit about the president since you have to deal with him too, as well as everyone else. I was mm-hmm. on a news program this past week and they asked me, was he correct or incorrect in terms of saying he was praying, praying for the right verdict in the uh, George Floyd case. And I said, as as a senator who had been chairman of the judiciary, he, he of all people should know that uh, the president of the United States coming out with a particular point of view on how a verdict should go is probably unwise. Um, and then his further comment, I thought he had a great chance to unite the country after the verdict. And once again, uh, blaming everything on uh, systemic racism. Um, I, I'd just like to know your point of view on all that. You know, I, I, I think anybody other than the 12 jurors who sat through that entire, uh, mm. I think it was 12, who sat through that entire trial and saw everything and saw what happened, uh, you know, had the case presented to by both the prosecution and, and, and the defense was there. I don't think anybody should be speaking to the verdict uh, right. except for those people, because they're the only ones who saw every piece of evidence that saw every piece of defense that was put forward. Anybody, you know, that that can say they know what the verdict should be uh, by just watching news media or reading the news media. You know, they shouldn't be. I'm an attorney that it's, it's improper. They should, yeah. you know, anybody who thinks that they know everything 
when they weren't there for the, all those days and, and, and part of those deliberations. I think that's just very improper. They shouldn't be uh, speaking to it. Uh, you know, it's again, people are going to do what they want to do. It's, it's a, it's a hot topic. It's, it's what sells right now. Yeah, which yeah. is unfortunate. So that's what people, that's all people want to talk about. You know, um, you know, the only time I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, when there was a shooting, I got called by CNN and, and MSNBC to come on. They wanted me to come on and talk about guns. And I said, I'm not, go- I'm not going on there to bash other people. Like that's mm-hmm. the only reason they wanted me on that. That's, that's the only reason when you get called was when you can go on, they think you're going to, you're going to either attack other Republicans or do, and it's like, right. no, like that's not, that's not productive. That, that, that's not, nope. People don't want to see that. I hope they don't want to see it because right, right. again, people just talk at, I mean, people should not be commenting on what a, what the right or wrong verdict uh, should be unless they were there. Right, I think that's, right. I think that's improper. We're talking with Congressman Andrew Garbarino, who represents the second constituency in Long Island. Congressman, um, you know, you probably know this fact, but to me, it's a very striking one. They've done surveys since uh, 1992 when Bill Clinton was elected. And uh, in the popular media, the secular media, well over 90 percent of people in major media admit that in every election since 1992, they voted for the Democratic candidate for president. When you know that the vast majority of people in media have a particular political persuasion. Is there, is there ever a time when you know you can go on a, a secular station and get a fair hearing? I mean, going on as a Republican, you're going on against uh, people who are almost diametrically opposed to what you and your party stand for. Can you get a fair hearing? And if you can't, uh, is it worth going on? Well, you know, and, and I, there are, have been, there have been, uh, I feel like there have been members of the, of the media that you know are going to give you a fair shake. There's some local mm-hmm. guys that are that are great. Um, there's some reporters that, you know, that I, I uh, both um, TV and news media, um, uh, TV and print that uh, I know don't agree with me politically, but have give, been very fair. Uh, you know, the national ones, the ones on CNN, the ones, the ones on Fox, the ones, the ones who are going to paint, want to paint a certain picture. So yeah. uh, whether it's left or right. So, I mean, you can go on them. It's whether it's productive. I don't know you, you know you want to you want to know what you're talking about. You want to have your facts behind you, but you need to yeah. go in there with an op, op, you know uh, with open eyes. You need to realize. Well, I know I'm going on Chris Cuomo's show, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and he's probably not going to be uh, great uh, yeah. towards uh, towards me. But you know, you, you make that decision whether or not you want to deal with it. And if you do, then you just know it's <laughs> you're not going to get a you're probably not going to get the fairest of hearings <laughs> or the fairest of uh, interviews. We're talking Congress, Governor. I'd be uh, remiss as a priest if I didn't ask this question. Can you tell our, our listeners and viewers around the country, Congressman, tell us a little bit about your spiritual background, how you were raised, um, your whole spiritual journey? Well, I was uh, raised Catholic at uh, St. Lawrence in um, St. Lawrence the Martyr uh, in uh, in Sayville. Um my same same uh, parish my uh, my father went to same one my grandfather went to, uh-huh. um, and you know because my I'm third generation in Sable and I, I went to Prince of Peace well was St Lawrence and then when I when I it turned to a regional school when I was in third grade I believe Prince of Peace, um, my dad also went to St Lawrence and I was hoping to send my kids there but they they uh, it's closed down now unfortunately uh-huh. uh, so I went there through sixth grade but I still go to I still go to mass I try to go um, you know I. I I try to go with my my dad every weekend on, on Sunday at seven thirty, 
at St. Lawrence. Um, sometimes, you know, when I'm in town, I can make it. Uh, a lot of times, right, I, don't right. yeah. I can't. Sure. But it was something I always, you know, I I love. I always loved going to mass. You know, um, even when I was in college, and uh, mm-hmm. thank God they had a <laughs> thank God they had a one p.m. mass <laughs> when I was <laughs> in college. It let me still let me sleep late. Um, but I went down in Washington, D.C., um, St. Stephen's. Uh, it was great. And um, it was pretty cool because you could, yeah, sometimes you were there when uh, Martin Sheen was in town filming The West Wing. He would go to that church and Cardinal McCarrick uh, would come uh, and give, would say mass every now and then. And, um, it, you know, I, always, I just always went. And uh, people said, why do you go to, you know, people always ask, why do you go to church? I said, I, it's just, it gives me that that feeling i just it helps me get through i think it just helps me get through the week and um yeah, yeah. and you know with all the with everything we face and and it's and you, you see a lot of people it's just that, that sense of community get there and and that really hurt during covid not being able to go and see yeah. all the people um you know you, you sit with the you, you sit with the same people and you see the same people and it's just you know i i still go um not everybody in my family still goes um yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I go, I love going with my dad. It's, it's something we, I go with him and we have breakfast. We get the uh, Fritchie's uh-huh. bakery, Fritchie's that's bakery a, every, every, uh, every Sunday we get. That's a good thing. I want to ask you too, and I promise it won't keep you much longer, but the, um, the experience of being in a national office in Congress, uh, there are lots of people around who inevitably will become yes people to you or give you all sorts of attention and respect because you're a congressperson. Who do you have in your life, Congressman, who keeps you grounded, reminds you that you're still Andrew Garbarino and doesn't allow uh, doesn't allow the office to uh, change you? Well, I have to. I, my, da- my my family always will. My, my dad. I think two days after I was sworn in that he watched me swear and he was so proud of me two days later, I think he called me a waste of life, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but my friends, uh, I have a group of um, my best friends from, from high school and they all call me Baker was my nickname. They all call me Baker. My, their kids call me Baker. I'm their gods. They treat me like normal people and they will tell me when I'm doing the right thing. They'll tell me when I'm doing the wrong thing. They, they will not, you know they'll they'll they just and and they're the ones i feel like you know you always have to be on you know a lot of the time and you know you never know after you get into office you're like well is this person just being nice to me because i'm in office now these i I can i can be my i can you know just i don't have to be so guarded or or reserved or when i'm with my friends and uh i'm very lucky that i have we're all still close one of them one of them went to uh, one of my best friends uh, tim morris went to he and i we've been friends since preschool. We went to St. Lawrence together uh, or we were, uh, back then and just stayed friends all the way through. And uh, I'm now godfather to his, uh, to his uh, daughter, but it's, um, it, it's, it, I, my, my family and my, my longtime friends. Right. Definitely. Right. Definitely. Uh, they keep, keep your, your feet on the ground. They keep you normal, yep. which is good. Uh, and I promise last question. When, when uh, people come to me on Sunday, they sometimes innocently will say to me, you know, after you guys do a Sunday mass, like, do you do anything else the rest of the week? <laughs> and I, I hear in the same way, people are not quite sure what people in politics do. What is a typical week for a congressman? Uh, well, I right now I don't I don't know uh, because I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in I'm in a I'm in COVID Congress right now, which makes right, things right. So, a little different. But you know, uh, we flew down. I flew down to uh, Washington. Monday morning this week, this past week, okay. I was, I was, I showed up, uh, they, 
they were we were doing some homeland security bills so i'm on the homeland security committee and the, the rankers said, wanted me to manage the floor so i got to manage the floor of congress uh or for the republican side on monday mm-hmm. where i then um you know, this this week was this week was a pretty cool week and this is not an early week, but monday i got to manage the floor as a republic as a member of congress tuesday i passed my first bill and uh um, nice. which was great and then wednesday night i had a uh i had i was i had a i was invited as a, as a new member to the uh British ambassador's house for, um, uh. you know, we have meetings every other day, but th- there's some interesting stuff we do get to do. And I'll never, and I, you know, it's, I'm so lucky to be having this job. And, you know, I went to the British ambassador's house where, you know, yeah. we were able to talk about a bunch of things and they talked about Pete King and his support mm-hmm. for Ireland, which was hysterical. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, and, and you, you see, you, you, I got to have, um, some food with the British ambassador. And then yesterday I, I, we had votes in the morning and I, and I f- flew home, I got home late and, um, you know, had, had a whole bunch of different meetings today, but, you know, so it's every week is a different week. So I don't think there's a typical week, uh, for right. a member of Congress, but it, it's someone like me who, you know, I, I get up and, and we have a lot of votes and I walk, but I leave my building in Longworth. And I, I look to my left as I walk to go vote in the Capitol and I stare at the Capitol building and I say, how lucky am I? You know, I, <laughs> right, I mean, right. it, it, out of all the negative things that were said about me in the campaign, all the all the hard. I mean, I'm 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 a member of Congress. I get to, I can really make a change, and it's just it's an amazing feeling. And I think I like the fact that no week is a typical week. It's a lot of traveling and a lot of. Thank God I'm not. I don't know how I would do this. I don't know how married people with kids do this job because right. I'm away from home all the time. But I, you know, it's just. I'm very lucky to be in this situation where I am and I'm not going to let it go to waste and I'm going to, you know, do what I can, uh, f- for the, the people here in Long Island. There's a, a father Daniel Coglin was the first Catholic chaplain of the house. And we had him on years ago and he said, to, that anyone who can make a family work while they're in Congress is, is a miracle worker because, uh, you're constantly being called on by local constituents and your demands in Washington that uh, in some, in some ways being single might be a great blessing at this point to serve the people better. It's a hard call, but Congressman, I want to thank you first of all for coming on our program. And for those of you who are listening around the country, around the world, uh, Congressman Andrew Garbarino is a relatively new Congressman. He had been in the state assembly, so he's been involved in political life. But, uh, one thing I would hope that people would hear just by listening to this interview is that Andrew has stayed uh, normal, down to earth. He doesn't forget where he comes from. He stays in touch with people who are real and true friends. Uh, he wants to make a difference for the good. And uh, he is normal, wonderfully, wonderfully normal. And uh, and that's what we need in Congress, people who are like us and represent us, real people in real ways. And thank you for what you're doing down there. Continue to do good stuff. We hope to have you on many times in the future. And our thanks to Congressman Garbarino for his witness today and the Congressman a much good luck to you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to be back. I really enjoyed this. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to me at personally speaking podcast at gmail.com. To listen to past episodes of Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Santi, go to YouTube and search under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Santi. Don't forget, please, to click the like and subscribe buttons. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. You can also get past episodes by going to www.closeencountertv.com and clicking on the radio button at the top of the page. 
I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.